This week on The Sport Blokes. This week, are the world champions really the world champions? A concealment you have to hear to believe. Round 24 and finals preview in the AFL. And how the hell is the US Open tennis already here? We managed to cover a lot. You're heading off to volleyball soon. But we did it. Let's go. It's 6.54 on Wednesday, the 30th of August, 2023. Plenty of... 6.55. That's, that's three in a row, Nike. Well, after the big run of all the others, it was bound to flip the other way. You're, but... the, you're the Port Adelaide of time. You got the big run and then you get... You get Something the... like that. Or Carlton, yeah. yeah. Plenty of basketball and footy this week as the FIBA World Cup gets into its second phase and the AFL is on the brink of the finals while the AFLW season is about to kick off too. We'll do our best. You've got to run off to volleyball in less than an hour. It's so common theme, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we'll, we'll do what we can. As always, check the timestamps. We've got a doozy of a bloody hell and a basketball-related court of public opinion too. So we'll make sure that appears before or after our basketball segment. And to follow the legal analogy, I'm glad to say I have my partner in crime. You've already heard him. Sitting next to me rather than being on Zoom. Yeah. How are you, mate? I'm, I'm great. I'm even better now that you basically confirmed that the court of public opinion will be either before or after basketball. Well. Thank God it's not happening concurrently. No, well, that's for the basketball fans. They can keep listening either side. If they're not interested in the footy, for example, that, that that's, yeah. that's all I was saying. <laughs> great to have you back. Oh, no, you're probably oh, June or early July. The last time we were together, I think. Probably give or take. Yeah. So there you go. It was before or after basketball. That's yeah, sure. it's, it was before or after June <laughs> or July 2023. Oh, dear me. How should we... Well, let's kick off. I'll let you kick off, shall we? What do you got this week? Opening serve. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Honestly, have you noticed that the US Open started? That crept up on me, something chronic. I have. I had opened a bunch of tabs on my computer to read up on it and then never got around to it. So, yes, and I knew you're more of the tennis guy, so I was kind of like, well, hopefully Shuey's looking at it. I didn't realise until this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, oh, wow, okay. No, I've been looking at it the last few days. I know there's been a bunch of upsets and there's already been a bit of controversy in this. Been a few. I mean, in the women's side, Carolyn Garcia, France, the seven seed, number eight seed, um, Maria Sakari. Barbara Krejcikova, the 12 seed. So we've had three fairly high seeds in the high or low seeds. Uh, yeah, good question. It's like, it's yeah. Both, yeah, I know. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Three three seeds with numbers that are relatively low. If it's Tajir McCall, high seeds. We'll, have to get, we'll get to that in another week. We will. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, three in the men's as well. Holger Rune, the number four seed. That was a big one. Karen Kachinov, he lost to big hitting American though. So no real surprise there, I guess, in the US Open. Yes. And uh, 15 seed, Felix Auger, Aliassime. They all lost in the first round. So they're probably the big shocks. Is he a Frenchman? Not a good week for French sport. He's Canadian. Oh, there you go. French Canadian. French Canadian. Yes. Yeah. But uh, and a couple of things I wanted to just quickly bring up. Venus Williams. Yeah. Really. Yeah, I did say that. She, she turned 43 in June, which is, that's old for a tennis player. She got rolled 6-1-6-1 by world number 97, Greek Minnow of Belgium. Now, I'd never heard of this lady. What's her name? Greek Minnow? No, not <laughs> no, not Greek Minnow. Yeah. Greek Minnow. Okay. Uh, well, but the, the appearance fee just for playing in the first round would still be a shitload. Yeah. Was she a wild card or was she, did she actually qualify? No, I, I mean, I think it's like she basically just rock up and play. Wild card, yeah. 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 But uh, her third consecutive straight sets loss in the first round at Flushing Meadows, it's just, it's always sad to see somebody hold on just that little bit longer than they should have. It kind of detracts a little bit from their career. Legacy, yeah, it can. Yeah, you sort of think about like the late years of Shaquille O'Neal what would have happened if Roger Federer had probably tried to come back. And a lot of those big guys, like Patrick Ewing, bounced around a little bit. Even Akeem went to Toronto, for example, to follow your basketball stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah a lot of that sort yeah. of stuff. So 
it, it is. It's a little bit sad to see. And as I say, six one six one from one of the greatest women's tennis players of all time is it's pretty sad. Yeah. So it's a real shame. The other big thing, though, that's come out of the first couple of days, did you hear this? the big hoo-ha about the match between Coco Gauff and Laura Siegemund of Germany? I did, but I have no idea what actually happened, but I saw the headline. So Siegemund, she's 35 now, so she's no spring chicken herself. She's been a, a qualifier for a little while. You know, She reached, I think it was 27 in the world in 2016. So she's been up in that level Done all right. many years ago. Though. Yeah. And so she doesn't move quite as quickly as she used to. Her tactic is to kind of slow the play down. She takes the absolute mickey when it comes to the time between service points, but so many other guys do as well. Sits a pass. Sits a pass. <laughs> yeah. Novak Djokovic has been guilty of it many, many times. Rafael Nadal. I mean, there's no secret when you look at the, the ages yeah. of Djokovic and Nadal. They're both yep. in their mid to late 30s as well. Well, that's on the chair umpire to have a bit of order, right? And that's the really key thing. She was absolutely booed mercilessly by the crowd and, and probably because she was playing an American. But, yes, definitely. Then. But at the same time, this is the big thing. It's up to the chair umpire. She wasn't taking the piss with medical timeouts that weren't real or taking Dunny breaks. bathroom <laughs> breaks. Exactly. If the umpire isn't giving her warnings, then can she really be blamed? She can a little, but I think that most of the blame falls on the umpire. Yeah. I mean, you can take the piss a little bit, but the umpire has to do their job. That's so, it. and and the thing that Siegerman said during her post and her her post match interview was heartbreaking. You know, seeing her breaking down into tears, she's basically said, "Like all I'm trying to do is entertain out there, and if it takes me a little bit longer to recover in between points." She basically alluded to the fact that doing that allows her to be at her best during the points, which means that the quality of tennis is higher. You know, she's out there scrapping, trying like crazy to make the second round against, what, the sixth seed in Coco Golf, who is a, an incredible young player. Oh, yeah, definitely. Has to be one of the favourites for the tournament, really. Very so, impressive young lady, too. Very mature and well-spoken. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, she's doing her best. Now, I understand Golf got a bit frustrated because the play is not going as fast as she would like as a 19-year-old. But at the same time, yeah, I really I find this very frustrating. And look, it's no it's no secret my my thoughts on tennis crowds at times can be a little bit not not a, I'm not a big fan of them, especially the ones in in America. I find the U.S. Open fans are horrible with with that sort of stuff. They're up there with the Melbourne fans, unfortunately. Just ask Nick Kyrgios about Wimbledon too, wasn't it? That lady that had apparently oh, yeah, true. He claimed to drink a million. Yeah. <laughs> 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 But look, as I say, it's just, it's not a good look when the first day of a tournament is basically being overshadowed by booing and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's a shame to see. Yeah. Well, especially because Coco won and won probably fairly comfortably. Did you say the score? Or... No. I think it was super comfortable. Okay. Like comfortable enough. It was straight sets. But yeah, it's just, it's a shame. Mm. Now, coming into bowl from the pavilion end, Nathan. <laughs> I do have some cricket. I've got to mention at the top, though. Really disappointed in the lack of coverage about Austin Robertson Jr.'s death. Again, we outlined last week how important he was not only to the game of football, but also to cricket. And for Footy Classified to not mention it, like they had the cricket rights for so long and he was instrumental in the stunt mic and everything. So that was that was disappointing. So the media's let themselves down. Like even news.com.au, I searched for his name. I don't think they did an article at all or anything. So that was disappointing. Now, in the cricket, a red card was issued to the Trinbago Knight Riders. There's a familiar name. It was a straight red as well. Yes, no yellows. They went in studs up. Yeah. Uh, they only had 10 people and two outside the circle from that point onwards. It was for slow over rates. 
And there's also, uh, they can be given to batters too. They can have five run penalties as well. So it's a way to kind of speed up the game. I don't know. I think short form cricket's becoming more and more Mickey Mouse and more and more ridiculous. Kyron Pollard was not happy. Well, let, let me run you through the rule because I've got a list of what the actual rule is. If a fielding team starts their 18th over beyond the scheduled time, they would need to bring one extra fielder inside the 30-yard circle. I have a huge problem with that. We've seen... Oh, but that late in the game? That's massive. Well, it's also something that encourages them. And look, there are factors that... Well, that's that's right. I don't know how black and white and how grey this is because if there's a streaker or if there's some sort of delay for whatever yeah, reason... I, I think that, that you would hope that they would do... You'd hope. Well, around. apparently it was only 30 seconds in this case. But, I mean, again... Yeah, like, well... Got to be black and yeah, white. Yeah, well... Unless there's extenuate... Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see the game, but... I don't know. If it's less than a minute, maybe give me yellow. Maybe. Maybe. Or green or... It's some other... Yeah, yeah some... <laughs> well, green because it's the West Indies. Oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Anyway. <laughs> okay, Darren Ganger, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ganger. If they were behind the start of the 19th over as well, another fielder had to come in, making it just three outside the circle. And if they're still behind before the start of the final over, they would be shown a red card required to send a fielder of their choice off the field, bringing the total number of fielders down from 11 to 10, including the bowler and wicketkeeper. Among the eight fielders, six inside the circle, two outside. So that's the full kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I did read that. I, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I, I don't know if it's something they'd bring in internationally, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. So as I mentioned, Karen Pollard was not happy about this when Sunil Noreen had to go off. To be honest, it will take away the hard work everyone has done. We are like the pawns and we are going to do what we are told. We are going to play as fast as we can. If you are penalised for 30 to 45 seconds in a tournament like this, it is absolutely ridiculous. It's a tricky one, isn't it? It is a tricky one. I, I, It's hard for me to judge having not seen the entire innings and known how it unfolded and that sort of thing. Obviously in the Ashes in that rained out match in, was it Manchester? There were some pretty ridiculous uh, penalties given to both England and Australia. So Very slow bowling. Yeah, no, and look, th th that they do need to sort that out, that out in Test cricket because there are teams taking the piss in Test cricket. But it's hard for me to judge having not watched this. I, I just hope that there's a bit of grey area because as we know, there's a lot of grey in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing is... Like, I can absolutely understand what you were saying before about, you know, 30 to 45 seconds in the scheme of things is not really a big deal. It that, just, to me, is maybe a yellow, right? Yeah, like, but just it kind of gets to that point where it's like, well, where do you draw yeah, the line? And, sure. and it, it is tough. It is absolutely tough. But then also going back to, I guess, what I was just sort of saying about the tenants, these people are out here to provide entertainment to these fans. You know, these fans are paying money and, I guess, seeing the tables... Not turned, but you know, just seeing the, the playing field unleveled like that, it, it is. I don't know, it's a bit iffy. And look, no surprise, they took 18 off the final over. It's a steep penalty, it, it is. It's a very steep penalty. All you can say is, thankfully, it didn't cost Trinbay. No, the they still won, they did still, they win. Did still win. Yeah, that's but, true. Uh, yeah, I don't know, it, it's, it's such a tricky one, isn't it? And then the only other one I had was in the baseball world. I saw on the uh, Loudwire emails I get that Hall of Fame rock and roller Joan Jett accidentally photobombed her beloved Baltimore Orioles 2023 team photo. The Orioles currently sit in first place in the American League East with the best record in the American League. I guess all I can say to that is put another dime in the jukebox, baby. I was trying to think of any... any <laughs> I did wonder. I couldn't think of a single song that I did wonder. Jet did I did wonder. Yes. Yeah. If I'd known that was coming, I would have looked. <laughs> I got nothing. There you go.
So, Stewie, since we last talked, the FIBA World Cup is well and truly in full swing. Australia's played all three of our pool matches already. Ten teams are out of contention for the title already. Angola, Finland, Japan, Lebanon, Egypt, Iran, Jordan, Mexico, the Philippines, and France. Get my goodness. <laughs> my goodness. What do you make of it? Where do we go? They've had to deal with North Korean missile attempts to falling yeah, in the ocean and typhoons that. and all sorts of crazy shit. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. North Korea's been out of the news for a little bit. They probably just wanted to go, hey, we're still here. Well, uh, you know, it's not a terrible comment, really. It's a terrible act, but it's it's a pretty insightful comment because you can think of Munich, for example, when there are a lot of eyes affixed to a certain place, mm. there is going to be heightened security. So, yeah, no, that's fair enough. Yeah, but no, I mean, obviously, yeah, going through that list, yeah, I mean, France is the big surprise. I think going into that with the roster they had, they would... Even without Wemby? Yeah, they would have absolutely been eyeing up. Well, I mean... They've probably still got, what, seven or eight guys that have NBA experience on their roster. It, it is. It's a big surprise to see them go out and go out the way they did. You know, they got absolutely pamped by Canada. Oh, big time. And we'll talk about Canada in a second. They have been very good. They have. But, yeah, just to really go out with a bit of a whimper, it's just not what you expect from a team the calibre of France and a nation that's had the success that France has had as well. Well, and to lose to a Latvian team that doesn't have Porzingis. Mm, as well only one nba player in bertans that was a surprise that was a great game i watched that one basically latvia were hanging tough and it was really nice and close and they were punch counter punch and then bertans got in foul trouble and he sat for an extended period and france could build a decent lead in that third quarter and then latvia 26 12 in the final quarter just nuts big three after big three and Arturis Zagas shooting daggers, basically. Ah, he was just hitting three after three. How long have you been thinking about that? <laughs> <laughs> while I was watching. It's an all-weeker, isn't it? <laughs> well, it came to me while I was watching. Roland Smiths was very good too. He outplayed Rudy Gobert. He had 20 points. Okay, only two boards. But Gobert had nine and seven. So, Is yeah. he uh, picking Roland Smiths? <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Very yeah. nice, yes. So uh, it's just incredible. Uh, Obviously, Australia were upset that we lost to Germany, who weren't a bad team, albeit without Franz Wagner, which is a, probably their best player. So, oh, Schroeder was magnificent, though, wasn't he? He was. He was, but we'll, we'll talk about that. We will. Sorry, yeah, we'll, get, we'll get there. So, because I've got some thoughts on that. Yeah. So, the France disappointment overshadows our disappointment because obviously we'd beaten Germany the last six times or so that we'd played them. But yeah, my goodness, just incredible. Japan's first ever win over a European team. South Sudan's first ever one cup let's, win. Let's brush over that. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yes. In that game, Finland were absolutely cruising. Larry Markkinen was playing like a beast. I, I don't know most of the, the players' names, but you know they were absolutely killing Japan. And Japan's not a tall team. You would expect a tall team like the Finns to do well. But then all of a sudden, they just Japan started shooting the lights out from... Uh, and most of their shots are threes. They do like a yes, ball. Yes, yeah. I love their little point guard. He's fantastic. Yeah, step back. Left, right and centre just absolutely destroyed them. I've just had a quick look because I couldn't remember... Yuki Tagashi, love watching him play. He threw a perfect alley-oop in that Germany match too. I've seen a lot of games from our pool. Uh, well, actually, I've basically seen nearly every minute from our pool. Mm. But yeah. yeah, just like step back threes, just would get yeah. isolated against a bigger player and you knew what was coming. Yep. But they couldn't stop it. Yep. And he just shot the lights out and everything was just all nylon. It was, it was so pure. So yeah, impressive game. And Japan, I mean, you kind of wonder if they're where Australia was maybe 10, 15 years ago, as far as kind of enthusiasm and love and joy for basketball. They're paying more money to the players than we pay over here. We've seen guys like John Mooney go over there. So 
Japan, they can get enough tall players. They could be really good in a decade or so. And that's the hard part, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, look, there's there's enough guys there and they might take the same path. I mean, they've already got one guy who definitely doesn't look like he was born in Japan. <laughs> well, this is an interesting point, hey. Can we go here? We can. So I saw an ESPN today during my lunch break, the Angolan coach Pep Claros Canals basically saying that it's kind of bullshit that the naturalization is getting a little bit out of control. So he said, we can sign an import like most of the national teams and maybe we're going to score more threes, but I don't believe this is correct. And I really think that FIBA must stop this as soon as possible. Otherwise, in some years, there will be no local product. Each country needs to develop their own players. This is what I think. There are players that don't even speak the language of the country that they represent. There are countries which have seven, eight players that were born outside of that country. Now, I don't know if that's true. I think that might be a bit of an exaggeration. But I remembered watching the Japanese coach basically coaching through an interpreter, which was a really interesting phenomenon. And I was thinking, geez, if that interpreter worked for enough good coaches, could he then become a coach? (laughs) <laughs> from all the knowledge she's learned he's probably an assistant anyway he's probably already a coach you'd hope that they would employ an interpreter that knows what they're talking about yeah but yeah so so that's that's interesting it has to be oh it has to be something to consider but i think as long as people aren't actually having seven or eight players then, yeah I, I think if you've got a couple you know it's nice to see someone like jordan clarkson doing well freaking ronde hollis jefferson Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, I really enjoyed watching Jordan New Zealand yesterday. It's running some good sets, the Jordanian team. Okay, they're not as strong, and obviously New Zealand won. But yeah, Hollis-Jefferson mm. playing for Jordan like Jordan. Yeah, well, well, he was channeling Kobe. Apparently. Yeah, well, I don't know why. When Jordan is written on the shirt, why the fuck are we talking about Kobe? <laughs> it writes but anyway, it does. He didn't, he didn't use yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Now, I guess as we talk about those teams that are on the way out, it's important to mention that every single game in this tournament is important because... In the 17 versus 32, the teams that fell outside of that first round, all these games count toward qualification for next year's Olympics. So we talked about the importance of the World Cup and the Olympics. I mean, clearly this shows that the Olympics really is the pinnacle of basketball. Hmm. And stay tuned for Court of Public Opinion. People might have an idea of where we're going with that one, World Championships and that sort of thing. But yeah, all the games are really important. So it's it's just been a fantastic tournament. They've packed it in really quick. There's only one rest day, I think. Hmm. Shall we move to Australia? Yeah, may as well. What have you made of it so far? Yeah, so I think the it's mixed bag, isn't it? I mm. think Paddy Mills shook off the rust that he displayed in the warm-up matches, which is good, and we really relied on him. I mean, if we didn't have him in that Germany game scoring the first 13 oh, points. Would have been over a quarter time. would have been pretty tired. Yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, the, the loss to Germany was disappointing, but I think what we need to remember is, okay, everyone talks about how much Australia's been uplifted in basketball in the last 10 years or so. We're not the only country. No. Everyone, you know, that rising tide has lifted all boats. And we've already talked about Japan, for example. There are a lot of teams. Canada have never looked better. And again, looking at Germany, no Maxi Kleber. Yes, yeah. Or so, France in our game. So, so yeah, missing so, some big names. So, yeah, yeah I mean, yep. obviously, we, you know, we're missing Jock Landau, massive, massive loss. But Kleber... Ben Simmons. Yeah, well... well <laughs> oh, I still think he's he would make this team. But, yeah. It's, it's interesting. I did want to just very, very quickly... You know, you sort of obviously mentioned that it was a bit of a mixed bag. They've been... Okay, so a couple of really big positives. I think Xavier Cooks has been excellent. Oh, he's been fantastic. I was wrong about that. I had White ahead of him, but I was completely wrong. In that game yesterday, he came out like a shark smelling blood in the water. He was fantastic. It's the energy. Yeah. It's the energy. And we've seen that with the Sydney Kings for so many years now, that he is the ultimate energy guy. 
it's actually nice to be able to barrack for him. For yes. Because yeah. I, I feel like he's a likable guy, but I just hate him because he just kills us as Wildcats fans. Yeah, oh, well, he's an exceptional player. But yeah, he's been really, really great. His 10 offensive boards in the game yesterday was the second highest ever in FIBA World Championships or World Cups. Ah. So very impressive. He had, he, what was it? 24 and 16 on 12 of 20 from the field with 10 offensive boards. Pretty impressive. Very, very good. It is pretty impressive. Jimmy Mills wasn't even needed. <laughs> and look, we're you know we're starting to see obviously Josh Giddy emerge, I guess, as this this next level sort of quality player. Well, he was fantastic yesterday too, even better than Xavier, or as good as Xavier. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of really good positives. I will say of the Germany game. Look, Nick Kay, I don't I hate to slander the guy because it's so funny you say that because I've written here there's been some Nick K slander I think some of it's the defensive it's switching everything yes and getting him in on ball screens with Schroeder is that some of that's coaching absolutely yeah I think I still think he's doing a decent job well offensively better the reason I I don't like that though is because if you're putting him onto Schroeder he's got two moves he goes right or he steps back for a three and what are we doing? We're playing him for a drive to his right hand. Well, exactly. Don't switch every on-ball screen. But if you're going to play to the scout... Well, that's too, I guess, he, yeah. He got past these guys so easily and was able to go right every single well, fucking time. Schroeder's is very quick. He is, but at yeah. the same time, like also there's no help off that. No one's helping. There was one time I saw... I can't even remember who it was. It might have been... I don't know. It was someone like Matisse Thibel. Someone came off and basically got a block on one of those drives. But he kept doing it in the second half. No one's getting to those shots. And I don't understand how it happened. Lack of rim protection doesn't help, of course, with that jock there. But yeah. No, I know what you're saying. So that was, yeah. that was a little bit frustrating. Did you think it was a foul at the end on that heave? Uh, well, actually, re-watching it, I'm not convinced that it was. Yeah, I'm not either. Yeah. So, look, to be honest, I don't even care. We didn't play well enough. They played better than us. And... Uh, yeah, I'm not convinced. One, I'm not convinced there was actually enough contact. It looked worse than what it actually was. And two, I'm not even convinced that the time hadn't run out. So that, oh, that's a non-issue would, would he have hit all three anyway? Well, that too. Probably yeah. yeah, I mean, well, certainly Xavier Cooks isn't hitting his free throws. That's about the only thing he isn't yeah. doing. And there were we did miss some key free throws in that game against Germany. That was one of the reasons why we lost, actually. I think we only shot about 50% from the line. Mm. But look, but, it's it's been... They've been promising signs. I think handled Japan very comfortably yesterday. It was a good bounce back game. Able to cruise in the second half, which was nice. Yep. I thought the performance against Finland was pretty clinical as well. Well, especially because Finland came out pretty good at the start of the match and we we really put the defensive clamps on towards the end. Yep. And, and that's one of the great things about this team. I still really worry about our scoring. And speaking of naturalised players, geez, Bryce Cotton would have come in handy on this team, wouldn't yeah. he? <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, I, yeah, the defense I'm not worried about so much. I know there's some issues there. You're right. I agree with you. There was some breakdowns, but we we certainly have the players that can clamp down. But I worry, I worry about our offensive. There will be times where we have lapses and we don't score for several minutes. It's going to hurt us. It, this also hurts me saying this, but would you be playing Joe Ingles less? Yeah, I think I think we have to consider that. I really do think we have to. Josh Green looked really good yesterday. It was good bringing him into the starting lineup. I think he's a bit of a confidence player too. Yeah. I think it's worth starting Green just to have him up and ready. Yep. So, yeah, I think Jingles might be the, the odd man out yeah. a little bit. And maybe maybe Kay a little bit too for Xavier. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, we've got to do something because we're not beating the Canadas of the world, for example, or Slovenia we got next most likely. Yeah, I mean, out. even that's going well, to be a test. They'll be out for blood because yeah. we, we beat them well, in, of course. in the 3-4. That's why they want revenge, yeah? Yeah, I, I think the best path forward for this team is having as many of those switchable guys. We've spoken about Fireball. He's probably not getting enough minutes. 
Green, I think, has been really good. Having them with Giddy, guys that can run the floor, fill the lanes. You know, I think when we're turning defense into offense, we look very, very tough to beat. And I think one thing that international basketball shows, the athletic teams are often the better teams. And that's how you can beat some of these other countries with speed and athleticism. So it it makes sense to play that game. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Now, you just mentioned Canada. Yes. Scary yes. good. Scary good. Yep. They have been, I don't want to say the, I don't want to call them a surprise packet in terms of the results. I think it's more the way they're doing it and the the amount of points they're winning by as well. I mean, they blew France. I watched most of that France match. That was very impressive. Very impressive. And they're not even, they don't even have Wiggins playing, for example. Yep. So there are a lot of NBA guys missing, as you mentioned. We haven't talked about Giannis missing, for example, for Greece, his brother's playing. But if, if you look at the top seven guys for Canada, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Dylan Brooks, RJ Barrett, Kelly Olenek, Dwight Powell, Lou, Lou Dort, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. That's like the ultimate chip on the shoulder team. When you look at all of these guys, you know, Shea had been overlooked right up until this year in terms of being one of these top tier sort of guards. Dylan Brooks, we know what he's gone through with all the bullshit from the, the LeBron series. Yeah, a lot of it's self-inflicted. A lot of it is, but certainly... But yeah, no chip on the shoulder, definitely. Yeah, yeah. RJ Barrett, the weight of expectations in New York, and he hasn't really, hasn't lived up to it quite as much as I think people were hoping for. With, up and down, yeah. With, with such a high draft pick. Kelly Olynyk, you know, he's been a guy who's often been overlooked, always been like a trade piece, that sort of thing. He's a quality player. Dwight Powell, people looked past him once he had that injury. Lou Dort, you know, he's a Oh, guy. yeah, Powell's given them some really good minutes. And yeah. yeah, Dort's a defensive, but they've got a lot yeah. of good defenders. I mean, Dort's a guy that, you know, certain sport blokes have said were just a terrible shooter. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, oh, what? Fucking, he was. That's like in our first, yeah. in our first bloody, yeah. Also, we're, the, we're talking like three years ago. The, when the I, it numbers, was true. The numbers backed it up. Back it was then. true at the time, yeah. But, but certainly. No, he's, imp- I love Lou Dort. Yeah, he's he, improved his game out of sight. Lockdown defender. Look, yeah. He'll call it the Dortcher Chamber. Yes, love it. I think it's great. Love it, Lugans, yeah. Kill Alexander Walker, you know, he's a guy coming out of college that I think people have really high hopes for. Oh, he's given some very good minutes. And it, but again, you know, he's a guy that's almost forgotten on the bench at times. I mean, who's he with? Utah? I don't try to remember where he even is right now. See, there you go. Just double checked. He's gone from Utah to Minnesota now. So there you go, right? But yes, we're on to the, the fun stuff now. Yes, yes, the next round. Do or die. Yep. So we shall see what happens. We, I look forward to talking about this stuff next week. Yeah, look, if we defend Luca well, that's going to be a major, major key. Hmm. Yeah, it's not that simple, but it's nearly that simple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Yeah. In the court of public opinion, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The athletes, administrators, and media personalities who make questionable decisions and the armchair critics, who most likely will have little discernible athletic talent, but will pass judgment anyways. These are their stories. All rise, the Court of Public Opinion is now in session. The Honourable Mr. Black (laughs) is now presiding. (laughs) Ah, yes. Thank you very much, Judge Stewart. Well, the background or charge here this week is three-time US track and field gold medalist Noah Lyles for having the audacity to speak some common sense by saying... You know what hurts me the most is that I have to watch the NBA Finals and they have world champion on their head. World champion of what? The United States? Now, the quote goes on. I don't know if you have any more. No. But that is our charge. It's an interesting one. It is an interesting one. Should we go through our evidence first for the prosecution and the defense? I've got a few here for the prosecution. Go nuts, mate. I'll let you tee off and I've got a couple of things I've got to say at the end. Yeah, so Stephen A. Smith 
I guess, is is the one I'll focus on here. So he said... So I'm going to step in on the first sentence <laughs> because Nathan is really struggling with one word in particular. Flagrantly. Oh, he got it. I knew. It was about to happen. He just came across as flagrantly ignorant. Yeah, that, still, that was shit. It's the sentence. <laughs> and that needs to be said. He then brought up the press conference from October 2022 where the NBA had featured 120 players from 40 countries and six continents between 30 teams at the time. It's probably even more now. So to quote again, so how is that not global? How is that not the world champion? One could easily argue that NBA players compete more against international competition than he does. Um, okay. So also Kevin Durant said, somebody help this brother. Devin Booker had a head smack emoji. The list went on and on. I do want to just... Devin Booker's the one that I have the biggest issue with. Oh. Because his team, well, Kevin Durant as well, their team got beat by the Adelaide 36ers. Ah, I love it. I love it. They actually got beaten by... There's a new layer here. I didn't even think of that. That's the one that frustrates me the most. Interesting. Well, we'll get to our deliberations. Do you have any more for the prosecution? Otherwise, I'll read some uh, comments for the defence. A lot for the defence, actually. Yeah, I have a lot for the defence, too. For the defence, I have a couple of tweets here. So Troy at no underscore Coda has basically used one of my favourite defences, which is there's a reason they play the games. So he said, sorry, you can't. To be crowned world champions, you need to compete in a comp that contains the best teams from around the world, in capitals. You can't assume that the best team in the comp beats every other team in other comps in the world. It actually has to happen, in capitals. Josh Eberle. No one outside of America thought his comments were weird. We all have thought the same. But all the Americans were bothered by it, which is also telling and hilarious. And I've left the best till last, Dewey. Chris Nagaruthi. Apologies if I mispronounced that. Nagaruthi. Naruthi, you reckon? Why did I make that sound Middle Eastern? Well, I don't know. Maybe it is. Anyway, Kenyans are the best in marathon. Doesn't mean any time a Kenyan wins a race in Kenya running against fellow Kenyans, he is world champion. Something is fundamentally wrong with your education system. Maybe has to do with the weekly mass shootings. Nobody has got time to learn. Well, you know. I read, I read the start of that quote. I did not read. Wow. That well, escalated. you know, vitriol against uh, the Yankees. Is... That escalated so quickly. <laughs> like, holy moly. Do you have any other evidence to present before we uh, go through our deliberations? Look, I like the different layers, I guess, from different people. And I, I'm not as real. I don't know. I'm not as for the defense as I feel like I should be. Okay. Go on. And I guess it's maybe partly to do with with the findings. The biggest thing, I guess, that I want to bring up, and, and it is a very, very simple solution, bring back the McDonald's championship. Yes. Yep. Let the champion teams square off and decide who the real champion teams are. That would still be club championships, though. Club champions rather than world champions. But, and, We're but, currently having a fucking tournament. That's what makes this so funny, that there is literally a fucking tournament on. In, I so hope America don't win now. That will be hilarious. But that's a key distinction we've got to make as well because we're talking about a champion team versus a champion country team. And that's that's the big distinction that no one's making. We're talking about the the champion team of whatever, like of a domestic league versus the champion country, which we will get from the World the world Cup that's on right now. Yeah. And so I feel like there kind of has to be a distinction between the best country in the world versus the best club team in the world. Yeah, but a team in a domestic competition where the N stands for national cannot, in oh, good yeah. conscience, consider themselves. And this is the thing. It's arguing that the NBA is the best league in the world. Of course it is. Of course it is. But that's not the issue here. 
it's a very interesting semantic argument. And 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 this is this is where I look at it. So if we go back to the McDonald's championship for a second, they had nine of those before they discontinued the idea. There was some dispute between FIBA and the EuroLeague, kind of disbanded in 1999. All nine of them were won by the NBA representative. Now, only the last three were actual champions, which I thought was really interesting. The first time it was the Milwaukee Bucks in like 87. Oh. Then the Celtics in 88, and then there were a few other teams. Like- Fast forward to 95 with the Houston Rockets and Wildcats. Yeah, the Rockets win that one fairly comfortably. I don't think they broke a sweat. No. Then we had the 97 Bulls and the 99 Spurs that won. There were a couple of them in the like late 80s, early 90s that were quite close. A couple of one-point wins. But I think that's an easy way to sort it out. If we're talking about like the national champions from, I don't know, I don't know how you determine which sort of leagues you have these teams from, but you can then say, okay, we are the world champion club team in the world. Club, yeah. And, and, that, and that's fine. Yeah. All I'm saying is that there has to be that distinction because you could easily just say, okay, let's get the absolute best players from America, put them against the best players from Canada, Australia, Spain, France, whoever. That's called the World Cup. I, which I know is exactly. Or but, the Olympics. But that's, that's all I'm saying is I think that there needs to be a distinction here because we're not talking about the the best national team we're talking about the best club team and i think that hasn't really been brought up oh i think i'd love to see the mcdonald's come back but again this is all extraneous to me to me world champion implies national teams from different countries come together in a tournament to determine who is the winner and therefore current world champion i don't care how many fucking international players there are in the nba they are the NBA champion. Yeah. but Plain and simple. But that's how Stephen A. Smith would justify that the NBA is the best league in the world because the best players want to play there. Therefore, he can use that argument and extrapolate and go, okay, therefore the best team in the NBA is the best club team in the world because it's the Yeah, best. club. No, but I, like, why, I, the I, title I world champions. And I know what you're saying. I, I, just, I, I just find it really odd. There's some major cognitive dissonance. For him to say... One could easily argue that NBA players compete more against international competition than he does. Really? I mean, that's... Like the uh, World Cup? I mean, that's... Well, I mean, that's also clearly wrong because if you look at a final, it's not going to be like 55, 60% American. It's going to be... Most of the time, there'll be a couple maybe and then there'll be representatives from other countries. So realistically, those races are probably 75% international versus... I mean, 120 out of 450, we're talking about what? A quarter odd, yeah. 30, 30% yeah. roughly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Stephen A. Smith comes across as flagrantly. What he he meant, comes across what he, as what very meant, ignorant. What he meant to say was yeah. flagrantly ignorant. Yeah, so as far as I'm concerned, we have a precedent, and this was settled long ago. I quote, It doesn't make sense for an NBA team to call themselves world champions. I don't remember anybody playing anybody outside our borders to get that tag. Isn't that true? I keep waiting for someone to tell me I've missed something. There's a team in Canada. That's true. The world's bigger than North America. I know sometimes we as arrogant Americans don't respond to the rest of the world, but it's true. There's a big world out there. Greg Popovich in 2010. Now, the Raptors hadn't won at that stage, obviously. It was nearly approximately a decade later. I'm so glad that our good friend NBA Bo was the voice of reason too. I find Noah Lyles not guilty. I think this is all ridiculous. I think they should be called NBA champions. I think the fact that it's called the NBA, we know the NBA is the best league. Being known as NBA champions should be a high distinction. That's something that people aspire to and are very proud of. 
So to quote NBA Boat in two separate tweets, the NBA could have the best 450 players in the world, it doesn't, and still wouldn't be the world championship. Just like Manchester City weren't the world champions last year, neither were the Denver Nuggets. World champions has a specific meaning. This isn't hard. Separate tweet. This is peak August NBA Twitter. There is no debate. The clue is right there in the name of the league. The NBA is the National Basketball Association. The NBA champs are not the world champs. However, they are likely the world's best team. Makes sense? Good. Yes, it does make sense. I find not guilty. Yeah, and let me be very, very clear. I 100% agree with you. <laughs> like, all I'm trying to do is be devil's advocate, try and provide some kind of possible way. And honestly, I believe that the McDonald's Championship is the best possible oh. way to settle the best club team in Absolutely. the world. Yeah, yep. And 100% of the time, it will be the American team. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that. yeah. No one's beating the Denver Nuggets in terms of club teams. No one. Okay, yes. And the Adelaide 36ers got hot one night and beat the Phoenix in Suns pre-season. in preseason. Yeah, yep. Like, it's unlikely that that would ever be replicated in a tournament, but that's the way to get around it. Yeah, no, I agree. I'd love to see a club championship brought back. Hopefully it would fit in the calendar. But it's just, I don't know, to me, it's typical US arrogance and being the title of NBA champion should be good enough. They should not call themselves world champions. My only question, though, off the back of this and absolutely sentencing Stephen A. Smith to life, <laughs> so on and so forth, yes. <laughs> why did he even have to throw shade at the NBA, though? Like, why did this even get brought up? Uh, I don't know. I guess it's August, like Bo said. It just, yeah, it just seems like a really unnecessary shot to take at the league. Like, I get it. You feel like you should be the the one who's called a world champion because that's you've just won a world championship. And it's annoying that someone else has the same title as you when they haven't actually won at the same level as you. It, yeah, like, I get it. But it just, I don't know. To me, it just seemed like a bit of a, an unnecessary shot to take. And yeah, I just, America, just, just be humble for once in yeah. your fucking life. Whether, you know? whether you're right or wrong, though, just, just leave it alone. Yeah. I sentenced him to a 24-hour episode of First Take with Skip Bayless coming back. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. <laughs> that would be, oh, that'd be torture. What made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week takes us to Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. Fucking useless name. Seriously. <laughs> guaranteed Rate Field. Like, Interesting. It's like, that's bloody hell enough. Yeah. It's how stupid some of the names are in America. It's getting ridiculous. When will we have a Pornhub arena? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I feel like it's got to happen. At some well, point. yeah, I think that was all just a publicity stunt. I don't think that was ever going to be possible, but they got them in the news. So yeah. It's, yeah, Kenny. Anyway. It goes to guaranteed rate field in Chicago and a very unfortunate incident involving a fan and an unplanned discharge. Mm. Mm. Yes, indeed. Not that kind, though. Get your minds out of the gutter, you dirty bastards. <laughs> so on Sunday, the White Sox were hosting the Oakland Athletics, a match between two teams who are utter trash right now. The Oakland A's have the worst record in the entire league. They're a laughing stock and their fans hate them. In fact, I shouldn't even say the league because there's two different leagues, but in the entire major league, well, major league yeah, yeah. It, they are horrible. The White Sox are well under 500. They're not making the, the playoffs either. So it shouldn't have been surprising that the craziest moment of the match happened off the field. Mm. Mm. Oh, yeah. Knowing sounds because we know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out that a spectator smuggled a handgun in, quote, the folds of her belly fat. Mm. I've got a little bit of a fold here, and I could not get a gun close I, to that. I 
think the folds would have to be pretty significant. It's big. Yeah. It's unless, big. I guess those, you know, those tiny little... Uh... We're talking like origami folds. <laughs> like, it's got to be big. I was thinking of the tiny guns. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> so she's managed to basically get this gun past the metal detector. It did go off for the record, but apparently they just kind of... Kept a well, I guess movie. if you hold it well enough, uh, if they frisk, they're not going to find it, yeah. are they? So not good. Apparently, she's then moved it to her pocket where in her kind of moving around in her seat, trying to adjust to get comfortable, it has accidentally gone off. Two women were injured. It's not been reported whether the lady who smuggled it in was one of them, but oh dear. I would assume it was maybe, yeah, yeah. It's quite possible. They, the show went on. It did. This is such an only in America story in that regard, isn't it? Like, yeah. Well, maybe not just America, but yeah, Shots, you can't think of me. Shots fired. Eh. The they will keep playing. Falls on. Yeah, it's merely a flesh wound. Yeah. Yeah, keep going. Say what? They talk about a concealed weapon. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, it's well concealed. It, it is. I will yeah. say this. I did double check. Illinois does have a, uh, like, if you have a license, you can carry a concealed weapon. Ah, so, okay. Yes. So I don't know if they intend you to carry it there. Right. Well, they can. They have metal detectors for a reason, don't yeah. they? So, yeah. But I would assume they're probably not assuming people are just going like, to lift up a roll and go, ooh, here's... Yeah, it's like Homer on the uh, the tower rack. Yes. Dad. <laughs> oh, he Oh, <laughs> my. So, yes, not very good at all. I mean, in what world do you need to bring a gun to a baseball game anyway? That's my question. Well, again, only in America, yeah. Even in Texas. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Oh, Chicago's a lot of murders. Well, this is true. This is yeah. true. yeah. So to the lady who completed an automatic double, or should I say a semi-automatic double, all I can say is, God damn it. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. All right, let's do it again. I don't even need to edit this one. Let's just rinse and repeat. And as we always say, you just hope that this doesn't come to haunt a team come finals time. It would be such a shame if a match was ended in controversy because of a bad decision. So yes, Noah's Ark did cost a team the finals. At the expense of your team. And that's what I've written here. It's even worse because my team is the one that benefited, or as you said, it's a little bit... Both. Ah, oh, it's just, it was already a hollow victory. It was bound to happen, wasn't it? Let's face Absolutely it. Absolutely it was. This yeah. was on the cards, yeah. Your confidence going into that Melbourne game, I was like... Oh, we, we looked pretty good to the last quarter. We just fell apart in the last quarter. We've had the wood on Melbourne, so yeah. I don't know. I think my confidence was somewhat justified, but yeah. Nah. Well, we'll probably <laughs> go out in, in straight sets now. Matt, if you win it from here... Oh, no, we're not winning it. Like, we're not win we might be Carlton, but we're not winning it from you. Imagine the size of oh, the Oh, that would be pretty crazy. Imagine the asterisk. It would be pretty that amazing. One. That would be huge. It would be pretty amazing. It would be huge. It would be pretty amazing. Yes. Yeah, it's poor Adelaide. But yes, Nathan, the biggest story we do have to start with, the anti-tank. Yes, yes. And as a result, your coach has survived. So, Our coach has survived. So I'll throw to you as the Eagles fan. Far away. It's such an interesting time because... I don't know, and I have not done the research because I think it would take a long time. I could not imagine a season where the team that was placed bottom of the ladder won their last three games of the season. Well, it makes the 5-43 and 43 win-loss record in the last two seasons even crazier when three of those five wins have been in the last three weeks, as yep. you say. They had seven losses of 100 or more in those. 
It's incredible. It's remarkable. It is. And when you look at some of the, the, the big sort of names and the big stories, I guess, with North Melbourne, you've got guys. So Mackay, as we've already said, is out the door pretty, yes. pretty much. Yeah. He'd been there eight seasons. That was the eighth win that he had been a part of. Wow, with North really? So eight wins out of 71 games. Well, I mean, obviously he wouldn't have played every game. No. But yeah, wow. So that's not wow. particularly great. No. I can't remember the name of the guy, but one of their first year players... I think he, that was his 21st game and his first win. Wow. So Nearly a whole season, yeah. A lot of those sorts of stories that, that are absolutely crazy. Nick Larkey, nine goals, absolute masterclass from up forward. And I think they were saying it was the first time since, when was it, like 2012? Or yeah, something? I'll pull out the stat because our mate actually sent it through to one of our sports chats. So the last time four different players all kicked nine plus goals in a season was 2004, so nearly 20 years ago. Fraser Gehrig for St Kilda, Nick Rewell also for St Kilda. Matthew Richardson for Richmond, obviously. Matthew Lloyd for Essen. David Neitz for Melbourne. And Paul Medhurst for Freo. Little goal sneak. I was surprised at that name. But yeah, I do remember him having a big bag, though. So, yeah. Can we just go back for a second? Lloyd. Lloyd. Needed to be said. It did. So, yeah, look, it was really great to watch. And I think one of the most refreshing arguments, I guess, for this just comes out from people basically saying, look, it's more important for teams like that to develop winning culture than it is for them to get the number one pick. Is what I keep saying about OKC. At some point, you have to... Winning is habitual. At some point, you have to ramp it up. But, but Wemby! <laughs> like, All right, Chet, I, Chet still I, may end up being better than Wemby. I said it so many times. I've got no problems winning after the Wembenyama run. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've got some interesting thoughts about OKC and the Spurs. We'll talk about that next time we talk basketball, but yeah. But look, I think the big thing is that, you know, Harley Reid doesn't want to come to Perth from what I've heard. No. So there's every possibility that that just becomes a trade chip anyway. Yeah. And we'll, I guess we'll kind of see what happens once all of that stuff has happened. It's really great to see, though. And look, even West Coast, they played well against Adelaide, who I think Adelaide are very unlucky. They had a, a pretty good season. I think they're going to be all the better for it. Oh, they exceeded expectations. I, I think, I mean, obviously they've had some pretty good recruits in the last couple of years with Jordan Dawson and Isaac Rankin. <laughs> Two very, very good players. Doesn't hurt. So, oh yeah, they they will, they'll have a chip on their shoulder based on what happened in the game against us and they'll be all the better for it. I think they will be. All yeah. the better for I it. I think they will be. But no, look, I think it is, it's, it's kind of exciting to see two teams, you know, in, instead of tanking like crazy, actually both yeah. really trying to yeah, win. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's it's good for the competition. It's good for the storylines. It's just great to see these teams actually being able to sing their song. I've got a friend of mine from work who is a North Melbourne supporter over in, in Victoria, and I actually sent him a message. I'm like, do you remember the, the theme song? <laughs> wow. like, do you remember the words? I was like, I said, no, I, I did say, like, honestly, man, I'm so happy for you guys, not just because it gives you us to the one yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. but, like, I'm really happy that you get to actually be excited for, for this. And he's like, I hate this. <laughs> While we're talking about theme songs, every time I hear the Brisbane Lions one now, it's just, you know, I've heard the French national anthem a lot this year with the Women's World Cup and the Basketball World Cup with the blokes. and We're uh, the pride of Queensland. Well, it's the fact they use the French national anthem as their song. It just, yeah, it, it just sounds very similar it, to Adelaide yeah. as well. I guess. Uh, now, GWS is the other really big story from the weekend. Dark horse. Very, very dark horse. Yeah, yep. You, you would definitely argue it is... Uh, it's very much kind of has that Western Bulldogs feel to it. I do think any team can win. I think there's a very low chance for teams like the Swans, for example, or St Kilda. But I could see GWS causing some... They've got a good list. So, yeah. Well, here's Sam the, Taylor, though. 
if they don't have Sam Taylor, that hurts big oh, time. It, it does hurt. But the thing is, they have very quietly won nine of their last 11 going into the finals. Like, GWS has not had that much press, but they have very quietly put together a very, very good three months. Mm. And Kingsley should be coach of the year, in my opinion. Pretty close. I think they only won three or four games last year, didn't they? Four games, they maybe? They weren't great. No. But the, the other thing as well is if you consider in those nine games, they had a key win over the Dogs that ultimately got them into the finals. They beat Melbourne as well. So they've they've put together some pretty decent stuff. Yeah, they nearly came back against us again too. Yeah, and then they obviously go into Melbourne and they beat Carlton over the weekend. And, and so like when you consider the, the game situation, it's 53 all, it's halfway through the, the third quarter. They're away from home against the team on a nine-game winning streak. The Giants then go on an outscore of 52 to 20 the rest of the way. They take the game on through the corridor. They beat the Blues around the contest. It's so impressive what they did. So many great performances through the midfield. Tom Green was superb. Oh, it's a very, very... Both Greens are very good. Toby obviously bobs up with four goals, yep. plays really well. They deserve to play finals footy. Oh, of course. Absolutely. They yeah, and even good. Jesse Hogan's been playing better, so they have a bit more firepower up forward. Yeah. I just... If Sam Taylor misses that first game, though, that makes things a lot harder. It does a little bit, but he's basically the best fullback in the comp. And we'll, we'll talk. So, we'll talk about it in a second. But I think they've also got quite lucky with the draw. So yes, they are on the softer side with St Kilda and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, definitely. I did just want to quickly talk about one of the incidents from the game. Are you happy with Jacob Wiedering getting a fine for the the careless? What do you call it? Careless caressing of the face. Careless whisper. Well, look, I almost have to recuse myself because my team's playing them in round one of the finals, but. I like to think that my opinion would not differ. I'm with eyes like balls. I'm very disappointed and pissed off at Tuke Miller for what he did. This Look, it was fleeting. He didn't contact the eye for long, and I'm not convinced he intended to contact the eye itself. However, he did intend to touch the head, clearly. Mm. And if you intend to touch the head and you touch the eye as a result of that and do what he did, okay, it only lasted maybe a second. But no, I do think he should have got a week for that. At least. Okay. I think it's fucked. Interesting. If you're going for the head, yeah, actions have consequences. What if you go for the head and you accidentally scrape the balls? Well, you should still also. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, moving on. I'm okay with a fine. If you look at the precedent, Toby Green, funnily enough, who was... What we said in the interview, yeah. But he, he did it twice and got suspended the second time. He got a fine the first time. I think the... The, the quickness and the briefness of it was very contact. Brief. Yeah, I think that's why I'm okay with the fine. I agree with you though. I don't like, you know, oh, any like yeah. eye gouging and all that sort yeah. of stuff. I think is disgusting and there's no place for it in the game. He was in there trying to rip yes. bring off his teammate, so I can understand the frustration yeah, there. Yeah, sure. But yeah, it's oh, a little bit lucky. He's lucky. Yeah, I think so. Right, so Nathan, we've got four finals coming up now. It's still a week and a bit away. Well, it's a week tomorrow before the first game. Gonna do some predictions. Go on. Collingwood versus Melbourne at the G. Who you got and why? Oh, uh, this is tough because we don't know the injury list. Apparently, they're going to bring Dacos back. Interesting. But do you know what? Fuck it. I'll pick Melbourne. Yeah, I'm picking Melbourne as yeah. well. Yeah. Yep. Yep. If Dacos, I mean, obviously, there's that week break or nearly full week break. No, it's more than a week, obviously, because they didn't. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They're just sputtering at the wrong time. Yeah. I mean, look, for me, Collingwood, they've only won two of their last five. I don't even really count the Essendon win 
when you think about oh, it. Oh, yeah, how poorly they finished. Essendon have just completely stopped. Yeah. I mean, look, it will give them a bit of their mojo back, which is kind of good. I think this is going to be a really good low-scoring tussle, kind of like the Swans and Demons game that was played over the weekend. I just I like the the game breakers that Melbourne have, the Petrarchas, the Oliver, Brayshaw, Viney. I just I don't think Collingwood are going to get the same amount of time over the ball that the Bombers gave them. So I, I can just see Melbourne squeaking by. It's it's interesting though. Whoever wins this is going to go a long way towards winning a premiership. Yeah, well, there's a school of thought that says whoever wins this game wins the premiership. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, Melbourne have a couple of injury worries as well, I guess. So well, Melksham's out for the yeah, season now. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. But ACL. Bailey, Bailey Fritch pops up with five over the weekend. Although he hurt himself too. So he may not be playing in that first match. Oh, I think he's I think he'll be okay. Apparently, yeah. So Tom McDonald had five in the VFL over the weekend. Right, so right. Or four or five. So I think he's looking like he should be, I guess, putting his hand up. So they've still got Brown waiting in the wings if they need they him too, although I don't know if they'll bring him back, but they don't need to. Yeah. They're a very good team. No, I, I would I would say Probably at this point, Melbourne and Brisbane are probably the teams to watch. But okay. Brisbane have that Melbourne hoodoo. We'll get there. Carlton and Sydney at the G. Look, I'll pick Carlton, but I think we've got a red hot chance. I really do. Yeah. So it's funny. I actually wrote down here, I would have given the Swans a red hot go a couple of weeks ago, but I feel like you guys are kind of almost got that survivor's guilt after the <laughs> yeah well hey you know it, yeah, it, it kind yeah. of feels that way i saw a really, really why haven't we won like six or seven in a row prior to that melbourne match so we've had obviously one of those wins was tainted so we've had pretty good form heading yeah. into the finals the, but one of the real worrying things though access all areas put up an incredible graphic about the swans poor fourth quarters this season yes and in particular yeah if we look at round 20 minus 23 against essendon round 23 minus 31 against adelaide and minus 25 against Melbourne last week. Yep, and GWS, we let back into the game. We've been doing it all season. Yeah. Yeah. This is a a Sydney team that uncharacteristically is not closing out games well. No. And I just worry that unless they can have a really, really good first half and be five or six goals up, it's going to be really, really difficult for them to hold off Carlton. And Carlton are going to be pissed after what they did last week. the, The crap they served up, it's, you know, it felt like Carlton was kind of, just trying to get through the game without injuries, maybe didn't quite give it everything they should have. I think Carlton wins this. That that's where my money is. But oh, I tip Carlton, but I, I look, nothing would surprise look, me. You never know with the Swans. They're yeah. a very proud outfit. Obviously, Longmire is one of the best coaches that the the game's probably ever seen. So you just, you just never know. Yeah, we're we're certainly not as healthy as we were last season. It's it's a very different year to last year. I mean, that's Captain Obvious statement, but I, I think we can we can scare them. But I, yeah, I look, we might get one win this finals. No more beyond that. Obviously, Carlton just missed out on the last game of the season last year. Mm. And again, it came down to the final game this season. So it's been really fantastic the way the, the season's concluded. But yeah, I, I mean, well, some people are saying Carlton for the premiership. Some people are saying Carlton Melbourne grand final. Uh, it's it's interesting. Look, it's as wide open as I've seen a finals race. Oh, we've been saying it all year. For a while. We've been saying it all year. All right, moving on. St Kilda, GWS at the G. GWS. Yep. I I don't rate St Kilda. I never have. Well, not never, but not for a long time. I think they peaked early as well. Yeah, I, I just think GWS are playing better football right now. I, I think they've played well in Melbourne as well. They don't fear travelling. And they've got plenty of finals experience, a lot of the list. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I look, again, wouldn't be surprised if St Kilda win, but... No, yeah. Again, money's on GWS. 
I think those five through eight matches, anything can happen. Well, well, actually, I think all four games are pretty hard. To I think they are. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's why I wanted to do it because I think it's just it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I reckon this one's the hardest one: Brisbane and Port at the Gabba. Yeah. Oh, look, Brisbane at home. I'm always going to pick Brisbane at home. It, it's when they get to Melbourne that it gets tricky. Yeah, and look, I again, I agree. I think Brisbane will win this one. They've been together for a few years now. They've had the heartbreak. It's kind of put up or shut up time for them, really. And you kind of look at it and go, if they get rolled again, uh, might, and if it's goal kicking, it too. might be time to kind of split things up. Port Adelaide are still a very, very good team, though. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That they have the firepower, they've got the quality to match that Brisbane team. I think the home crowd is probably what gets them home, and but I would not be surprised if this is a nice close one. So Brizzy rarely lose at home. Rarely. Cannot fucking wait. No, looking forward to it. Now, now, just to quickly round out the football, I don't know if you saw this tweet from Swampy. The lowest position that each team has sat after any round in the past three home and away seasons. Did you see it? No. All right, so get this. Essendon, Geelong, Hawthorne, North Melbourne, Port Adelaide and West Coast have sat 18th at least one round out of the last three home and away seasons. Now, Geelong, I think, were there like the first round, one. The first yeah. round of the season. Yeah. So they, yeah. they've sat there. Yeah. Adelaide, Collingwood, Gold Coast, GWS, and the Western Bulldogs have all sat as low as 17th after at least one round. Brisbane, Fremantle, Richmond, and St Kilda all sat as low as 16th. Carlton and Sydney have sat at least 15th. Then the outlier is the Melbourne Demons. They have not sat lower than 8th once in the last three seasons. So they've effectively been in the top eight the past three seasons. Yeah. Oh, well. In its entirety. But like they haven't. Yeah. 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 Lost, it's the early season. Lo- yeah. yeah haven't lost, lost an yeah. early game. Yeah. Haven't had an away game to someone good and lost. It's incredible. I mean, it's the joy of playing most of your games in Melbourne. I get that. Yeah. But oh, it's impressive to be so far above everyone. Yeah. Else. It's very interesting. Oh, look, I give Melbourne a red hot chance once again. And I still, I mean, that game we went to live here in Perth, that prelim, Maxi oh. Gorn was just incredible. One of the great live performances yeah. yeah and funnily enough something popped up on one of you know you're sort of scrolling through videos and stuff that little blitzkrieg that they had late in the third quarter of that grand final against the dogs where they kicked like seven goals oh it was an incredible match yeah you know, yeah they, i think they kicked three goals in the last minute yeah. of the third quarter straight from the bounce it was just one after the other yeah it? it was it was a close match it was it was a really weird one because you yeah. look at yeah you look at the score and you go oh yeah they probably won that comfortably but yeah. no, no 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 very interesting one absolutely incredible i'll round out the footy by saying the eagles should probably also get a little bit of an engraving on the coleman medal because both kerno and tex walker had 18 goals against the eagles this 19. season 19 19 was it there you go yeah even more should yeah we, we should put statues of them outside <laughs> <laughs> who finished fourth this year Stewie, you know what that music means. Time to go to volleyball. Time to go to volleyball. (laughs) Going to absolutely smash it tonight. Look, so much really cool stuff going on. For me, obviously, the US Open tennis. Love the Grand Slams. But there's so much basketball to happen. Oh, yes. Footy's just around the corner. I mean, where do you start? NFL, too. So I had my fantasy draft on Friday. We might have an opportunity to talk about that at some stage. That was some good fun. I think I got a decent team. Did you draft Warren Moon or Darren Moon or (laughs) whatever his first name is? No, neither. Neither Warren or Darren. Good. I don't know who Darren Moon is. Long long retired. (laughs) So until next time, I'm Nate. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.